You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Well, we can go and get started. Um, first of all, I'll just kind of introduce myself. If I have not met you, I'm Wes. My lovely wife, Allison, is here as well. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about family worship tonight, uh, today. And uh, you're going to see through the talk that we don't have it all figured out. And uh, we are we experiment a lot. We do a lot of things. We, we have found that there are certain things at work. And so she'll chime in with me uh, along the way here. Um, and uh, But I'll, I'll, for the most part, lead us through this. And so um, a little bit about us. We've been married for 18 years. We have three boys, 13, almost 11. He'll be 11 in like a week and a half, I guess. And then... Um, almost six, uh, about a month and a half. So um, our, most people hear that and go, wow, your life is uh, always on the go. And it is. It's crazy. We have a, uh, it's a fun crazy, uh, but they're into sports and our kids are into mountain biking and dirt biking and all kinds of fun things. And so we are, uh, we got a lot of adventure going on in our family. Um, and so I think that also plays into how we kind of do uh, family worship as well. And so uh, you'll hear a little bit about that as we get going. So, um, so just by show of hands, how many have tried some sort of family worship in your home before? Yeah, kind of some sort of attempt. Yeah, um, how many have attempted a few times and said, "No way, this is not working." If you're being honest, yeah. Um, and then uh, never tried. I don't think that's any of us in here. At least we've tried. We've made some sort of attempt, right? Um, I want to paint you a picture, and I think it's important to kind of see a picture of worship and then to see, because I think it's important to see the goal in which we want to try to achieve. Um, but at the same time, there's flexibility in the midst of that goal because it's not perfection. And where I want to take us is actually Revelation 4. And so this is the finality of worship. We see worship taking place um, in the throne room of heaven. And um, there's worship around the throne. Can I forgot my Bible. Can I borrow your... Can I just read this real quick and then I'll get back to you. Um, so in chapter 4, you see uh, this throne of heaven. So John's vision here has been caught up into the heavenlies, and it's a vision of the end of time uh, and what it's going to look like when it's all said and done. And so in chapter 4, you see, and he says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me, sounding like a trumpet, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. And so John is being invited invited into probably one of the greatest worship services of all time. And at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. We know who the someone is and the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 elder, 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were seated in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These were the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. 
in the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth a flying eagle. So we're, we've been caught up into the heavenly realms and there's a throne room of God. And, and what John is describing here is, is some of these weird looking creatures that we don't really know a lot about. There's four of them. One has a face like an ox, the one like a lion, one like a man, and one flying like an eagle. And these are um, representatives of, of all creation. And then you've got these 24 elders, which we know to be uh, those who've gone on before us. I, I, we don't know their names, but we can probably imagine they'd be somebody like Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, maybe even... Well, at this point, probably not Paul, and but maybe some of the disciples around the throne. And so you've got 24 elders all coming together, and these 24 elders are worshiping the king. And what it says here in verse 8 is, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with their eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then if you skip down in verse 11, they continue to lay their crowns before the Lord and they say, You're worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So we have this vision of of worship around a throne and you've got living creatures that are present in the form of lions and oxes and man and eagles and they never cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. How awesome would it be when we gather our kids in worship at home that we would sit around and they would just begin to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. I mean, what kind of fantasy world is that, right? That, that We just know that doesn't happen. But there's this picture, this idea of what it's going to look like someday when we all enter into the realm of heaven. We're going to see around the throne and it's constant worship. Their eyes are fixed on Jesus and on, on, the, on the Lord Almighty, um, and they focus just on Him. It's not about what somebody's wearing. It's not about uh, our kids in pajamas sitting around trying to worship, or it's not them eating something while, they're trying to, while we're trying to conduct some sort of family worship. Our focus is on Jesus, and I think it's important that we begin there. That as we talk about family worship, what is our priority? Our priority is that we would point them to Jesus. I'm not so much concerned. I mean, we've had it. I could tell you all kinds of funny stories. Um, we've had it where, you know, shirts come off in the middle of worship because it's bothering one of them, you know, and, and they're sitting there without a shirt on trying and, and we're doing worship and reading the Bible. Whatever. I'm not focused on that. What I am focused on is are we focused on Jesus? Are we looking at God? Are we paying attention to who Jesus is in the midst of all this? And uh, it's also not whether they're willing to sing a song or uh, you know, oftentimes our boys will tell us all the time, we don't like singing. Well, that's a bummer because we're going to sing. Um, Dad does it all the time, so therefore you should sing with me. But they'll sit there and stare at me if we try to sing a song. There's no, uh, it's, it's a duet between Allison and I when we're doing a song in worship time. But my focus then is not on are they singing, uh, are, you know, can, how can I get them to sing? I'll pay you a dollar to sing. Uh, I'll ground you if you don't sing. You know, we could do all those things. But really, what, my, what our focus could be, it should be on, is are we focused on Jesus? And if we are, then their eyes will begin to turn. Their eyes will begin to focus and realize that it's not about me. It's not about what, we're, what I'm wearing, not about how I'm singing, how good I sound or how good I don't sound. It's really about God. And so this, this, 
this picture of worship is what I want to kind of just hold on to for just a minute as we talk about family worship. Um, so maybe in family worship, we have this idea of uh, who is... Well, oh, I got ahead of myself there. The question of who is worthy is something that the, the writer of Revelation talks about there. And of course, the seals are opened by Jesus Christ and he gets the focus. So if we want to talk about what an ideal picture of worship is, I often think about, okay... And we've talked about this before, where we wake up one morning and we go, all right, we're going to worship together as a family. It's going to be great. They're going to eat breakfast. They're going to come. They're going to be excited about coming to worship. And we often have this picture like this, right? This dad is leading worship and and he's reading the Bible and all the kids are super in tune with him. And they're looking and they're paying attention. But here's the reality of what happens. That's what it actually looks like when we gather to worship. You got a kid standing on here trying to jump. You got one over here, a dog in the midst of it. I mean, you got craziness happening in the midst of trying to carry out worship sometimes. And I want you to know if that's you, uh, you're not alone in that. Um, Again, we've experimented, we've tried. It's absolute chaos at times. Our worship seems craziness at times. Uh, But then there's this beauty Oftentimes when we begin to worship and we begin to do things uh, the same way in a routine, there, there's this amazingness that happens that later in the day, one of our kids will say something, hey, we talked about that this morning. And you're going, wow, they were paying attention while they were standing on their head uh, or while they were jumping off the couch or while, and I can tell you a few things. Uh, we've been in, we've, we've tried to carry out worship before and, and you've got one of our kids who feels like they need to go to the bathroom every 30 seconds, you know. Um, no, you don't. You don't have to go to the bathroom that often. You didn't even have anything to drink today. What's going on? Why are we doing that? Uh, crying and screaming on the floor. That's happened before in our family worship time. Uh, throwing an object at a sibling. That happens all the time. Uh, you know, uh, I wanted to play that drum or I wanted to shake that tambourine or, and then they'd chunk it at another one. You know, well, that's not very worshipful. Uh, jumping on the dog, causing him to go crazy. Uh, ringing the cat, you know, grabbing the cat by the neck and hey the cat wants to worship with us too all those things have been involved in our worship before and it is chaos but there's a bit of this that um that there's beauty too that it's raw and it's okay and and we can and i know for a taipei person you're going how in the world is that ever going to be any kind of worshipfulness um, I think we should do it like this, and this is the way it should look. Um, but the reality is we're dealing with some kids who need to be trained. Yes, Charles. I struggle with the extent to which I should employ discipline in those times, especially during mm-hmm. worship. Like, I don't really struggle with it outside of worship, but during worship, I don't want my kids to associate, you know, if we're saying the Lord's Prayer at night or Gospel Catechism, usually they're, yeah. they're good. But sometimes, like, one or more of them are just being really silly or not even yeah. doing it. I don't, th- I don't want them to associate the good news or the Lord's Prayer with, right. you know, hey, like stern death. Yeah. But I also don't want to ass- them to associate it with complete, like, like I, I, this isn't important, I'm not going to yeah. do it. And I just yeah. don't know where to walk the line on that. Yeah. I think a lot of times, and there's different ways, um, if you can head it off at the pass, if you know they're being silly or goofy, you know, if they're in that mood that you can just kind of tell they're not really willing to participate, then you can kind of say, hey... We're going to worship, and, and here's what my expectations are in this. Is it will pay attention. Even if you don't like what we're about to do, I want you to pay attention. I don't want you jumping out on each other. I don't, and, and so I think there are times, especially when you're dealing with youngers, you know, six, five, four, uh, they're just going to be, you know, crazy. And so to say, even in the middle of that, 
hey, uh, come sit with me while we do the Lord's Prayer. Uh, sometimes that's a calming thing. You know, and it's funny, we don't ever have to deal with that when they're, when they're in church right here, right? Well, maybe you do a little bit, but not near as bad as like in your living room. You know, they seem to know how to pay attention. There's a normalcy and there's a relaxation there in the living room. So you have to create this atmosphere of, hey, we're worshiping as a family. And so if you know that one or two of them have a tendency to get a little squirmy and you want to do the Lord's Prayer, you want to read a catechism, even reading the Bible, hey, why don't you come sit in my lap while we read the Bible? Or why don't you come sit beside me and help me if they're older and they're still squirmy? Hey, why don't you read? I'll read a passage. I'll read a verse. You read a verse. Uh, and to keep them engaged, I think, is... Um, and I don't think it's wrong to, at times, if they just go off the rails... To say, hold on, time out. We're gonna we're gonna take a time out in this, uh, and we've done this where we've said uh, we've we've lost sight of what we're doing here. We need to take a take a minute. We're still worshiping. We want to be worshipful of the Lord. We want to pay attention when we're reading the scriptures. And so I need everybody to just take a deep breath and let's hit the reset button and try this again. Um, you know, I've I've seen folks who. Um, back in teacher days, uh, you know, okay, we're going to take 30 seconds. You just wiggle it out. Get all the wiggle things out. Do it now. D- go crazy. Dance. Do whatever. you got 30 seconds, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to settle down, and we're going to engage. So there's different ways to do it without it coming across as, like you said, hey, sit down, you know, this mean dad kind of uh, get in line with what we're doing because you don't want to squelch that uh, worshipfulness by screaming at a kid and getting on to him and, and disciplining him or what he or she, whatever it might be. A great question, though. Does that help? Uh, yeah, just kind of um, coming alongside them. So um, so what I want to do today is kind of give you four things that I think we've come up with that said these are helpful when it comes to worship. And with, again, the goal in mind of, you know, we would love for our worship here on earth to look as much like heaven as possible. But there's flawed sinful people involved and so we can only do as good as we can do and lord we'll do our best and and trust that you're going to work out all these impurities and imperfections in the midst of that so um four things that i want to just look at and please raise your hand dialogue with me we're a small group so that's a good thing we can just kind of talk as we go the first thing is be consistent be consistent whether it's once a week whether it's once a day, whatever your family has decided and say, this is when we want to worship. Uh, I would even say be consistent on a day and time. So for a while, we were consistently doing Monday evening. Well, then scheduling got in the way. And and so we've had to kind of revamp. Now we've moved to more of a uh, morning time breakfast uh, we homeschool our kids, and so our, our mornings can be a little more relaxed. That's the beauty of, of homeschooling for us. Um, but, but we can sit around the breakfast table and say, hey, let's have some time of worship. Let's sing a song maybe. Let's read the scriptures. We're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like as well. So um, a one and done doesn't establish a habit. It doesn't establish a habit or a norm. I read somewhere uh, that if you're while you're establishing a habit, especially with children, there may be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but statistics show that it takes 13 to 18 days to begin or to establish a regular habit if you're doing it every day. So if you think about that, if you're doing it once a week in worship, you want to do family worship once a week, uh, it may take three to four months of you being consistent the same day, the same time, every week 
to start developing, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, your kids will get it eventually. Ours do, and where we will say, hey, every week at this time, we're going to do this. And again, they'll sometimes, oh, I don't feel, all of a sudden, I don't feel good. All of a sudden, my stomach hurt. Well, it didn't hurt like 30 seconds ago when we were willing to go outside. You know, so you have to work through some of those things. And you're training your kids of what it looks like to worship. Now, as they're trained, they'll be more apt to sit down. Oh, hey, this is worship time. And uh, they're, they're, I, we've seen their attitudes change as we're consistent, especially in the way that we're doing uh, the, the worship time. And so I'll, I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, you know, one week we may have a grumpy kid. The next week that grumpy kid turns into a tolerant kid. And the next week that kid turns into a, hey, I'm going to engage with you in what we're doing. And so that consistency, I think, is is huge. Being consistent allows the process to mold and shape your family. Uh, you're, you're saying this is important and this is the way we want to do it. You're, again, like Proverbs, you're literally training up the child in the way that they should go so that they don't depart from it later in life. Uh, we're helping them to be trained in this worship and trained in, again, consistency. And we're going to come back to that. You'll see all four of these kind of flow into each other a little bit. Um, so any questions about consistency? Anything you've... And I think it would be valuable if you have uh, a story that says, I've been inconsistent, didn't work. I've been consistent, it started to work, or vice versa. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Consistency? Any thoughts on being consistent when it comes to family worship? Any chime in from no i just have a comment yeah some others may agree we we tried to do it at dinner we i don't know if any of y'all went to the schneiders yeah you know they they kind of demonstrated that okay we're gonna do that and we did the catechism we read from the bible and then we we sang a song which like Mm -hmm. yeah but you know we've got two boys only two but with sports and all the other things we barely sit down as, you know, to have dinner yeah. together. So that's what we have a hard time with being mm-hmm. consistent because this week we have practice. This is like every night. It mm-hmm. kind of takes over, which, yeah. of course, it shouldn't. That shouldn't be the priority. We should find a time for that. But that's been hard for us yeah. to find that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think that is probably, that's why I list it first, because it's probably the hardest thing to do, especially if you've got kids who are in sports. Uh, whether it's one, two, three, five, however many it is, they start getting into sports and that can take over things. And so you really have to, um, and I would say guard, guard that time. Um, you know, once you establish consistency there, hey, we're not going to let things get in the way of this, uh, if at all possible. Um, we had, again, we used to do it on Monday evenings and uh, Allison's parents were over one night on a Monday evening for dinner. And we just said, hey, we're going to do our worship. We'd love for you to join in with us. And, uh, and they just, you know, jumped right in with us in, the, in that worship time. Um, I will say family worship, um, I've seen it, and I know that, it, that this is truth, is that if you're willing uh, and, and the desire is there to invite another family to join you in worship, almost like a small group, if you will, um, kids' demeanor begins to change. And so... Uh, when they're around other people, even though it's in the living room, they begin to, oh, wow, we are kind of doing something a little more formal, a little more organized here. It's not just mom and dad got a whim and we're trying to read the Bible more. You know, it's, uh, hey, we've invited some friends. This is for real, uh, you know, and, and you know, maybe even 
dinner and and that sort of thing involved with that so that your community you're, you're having community there as well in your home is certainly an option it may not be uh, an option for your family right now but that is an idea as well that you could throw in there for consistency sake um, if there's another family that you could join in with um, the next thing I would say is that this old adage uh, kiss it's actually keep it simple stupid is what I've always heard I changed that to be a little nicer uh, keep it super simple is what I uh, have changed it to because I think that's the way when we comes to worship we have all these grandiose ideas. You know, if you were to you come here and you think, how can we make home look like what we just did at nine o'clock? Well, that's really hard to do, you know, because we got a lot of people involved in that and a lot of preparation, a lot of organization. And so um, I would say, don't try to make it look like that. Keep it as simple as you can. And, and you can add to the simplicity as you establish consistency. So... Start with something very simple that might be, um, I mean, it might even be 20 minutes to start with. And if you can accomplish 20 minutes, you're like, woohoo, we have just accomplished 10. 10. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially if you have, again, if you've got the littlers, uh, the, the, the fives, the six, the even younger than that, you know, 10 minutes and you're, I mean, there'll be times that we'll be doing it. And Allison's like, we're good. Got it. That's the best we're going to get tonight. Um, and I'm like, Okay, you, it's good to go, you know. And I just may I may play guitar or something while they scatter, uh, and and we might sing a song. And they're like, "No, we're not doing that anymore," you know. So um, I think just and as you establish that routine, uh, we have found that they'll engage a lot longer now uh, when we sit down, especially at breakfast, and we start reading. Even Elliot, our youngest, will be like uh, sitting there, paying attention, listening to the scripture, whereas. You know, six months ago, eight months ago, you know, he was the one standing on his head taking his shirt off, you know. And so there was, there's a lot of progress that happens in that consistency time. Uh, but keeping it simple. Don't overcomplicate the process. Uh, that just goes along with keeping it simple. Um, and uh, make some guidelines for family worship, Charles. That comes back to what you were saying just a minute ago. Uh, don't over, don't, don't rule, make so many rules that they're like, oh, this is not worship. This is so many rules. But... I think there's three real easy rules. Everyone listens, everyone is respectful, and everybody participates. It's that simple. And so you can always come back. We have family rules in our house that we can come back to as well. But something like this in worship, okay, I, we just need everybody listening. You, even if you don't like what you're hearing or even if you don't like what we're doing, just listen. We want you to pay attention. Secondly, be respectful. When somebody's reading, you know, if one of your brothers is reading Scripture, don't be goofing off. Just listen to them. Just listen. Uh, and, and if you get something out of it, awesome. If mom and dad are praying, uh, you know, don't, don't be picking on your brother. Don't be pulling, your, pulling the hair of a brother, you know, whatever it might be. And then participate. So when we ask questions, we'll specifically ask all three of our kids, uh, what do you think about that? And sometimes they may say, I don't know. Or the, the other day we were reading and our oldest uh, who's 13, we we're sitting at the breakfast table and we just read the scripture and he goes, hey, I got to be honest, I zoned out for about three minutes of that. So I don't even know what happened in that. And we just started laughing. I was like, you got nothing? He's like, no, I don't know. I don't even know what I was thinking about. I just, I zoned out, you know? And so uh, he was respectful, but he knew he had to participate. So he was just honest. He's like, I don't know what we just read. Uh, so the other two chimed in and he's like, oh, I think I did hear that part. Um, you know, and so uh, it just, you know, 
have fun with it. Um, it's okay. God's a God of joy and laughter, and and He's also a God of flexibility, and but at the same time, a God of order. And so you kind of balance those things. Um, so uh, these these habits do take time to establish. Um, they and that goes back to the consistency. Um, remind them as you're coming to worship each time. Hey, we're going to sit down and worship. This is the expectation. Even if they know it, you can even ask them, what are the three things that we want to do as we come into worship, as we worship together as a family? We want to listen, we want to be respectful, and we want to participate. Um, um, thirdly, so any questions about that? Keep it super simple, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Use the Bible as your primary text. I know we have a tendency, and, and that's not to say we can't do some catechisms and things like that, but when it really comes to family worship, I think it's important that our kids be in the Word. Um, we've got devotions, and, and, and I know there's a, there's a draw sometimes uh, to say, well, let's just read this devotion. And, and I'm not knocking devotions. Devotions are helpful and good. But when it comes to family worship, we have found that it's best in that consistency side of things to say, hey, we're going to read a passage from Scripture. That's going to be our text that we're going to talk about. And they may bring in other stuff as they're talking about it. We may, may, may actually say, hey, we re- I read a devotion on this, or I read a commentary on this, or I read something about this. Uh, and you, can, you, you might, can certainly contribute that way. But the Bible, the Bible is our primary source. And the reason why is because I think we need the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said it. I wish I'd have said it. But um, the, the Bible's like the ocean, shallow enough for an infant to get their feet wet, yet deep enough for the most mature to never touch the bottom. Uh, I think that's so true that we can begin to bathe them in Scripture and we can find... Now, that's not to say that we don't that we have to use the King James Version of the Bible in worship, you know, or, or even the ESV, for that matter, in worship. We may find some really helpful uh, Bible storybooks that tell the story of Scripture, but it holds pretty true to the Scriptures. You know, it doesn't... Uh, we, we always have a rule uh, when when I'm training folks in Bible reading is you don't want to add anything to the story, but if you happen to leave a few things out, that's okay. You just don't want to add to it. Obviously, you want to try to be as accurate as you can, but I think that um, letting the Word of God do the work of God. Paraphrased Bibles can be really good, especially for younger children, and I will tell you uh, one that I we I highly recommend that we use is Ergemeyer's Bible Storybook. They actually have that in the Advent bookstore. Um, it's a great storybook. It goes all the way from Old Testament to New Testament. It doesn't tell every story in there. It doesn't give every single detail that you're going to find in Scripture. We were reading one just the other day in Judges, and one of my kids' favorite stories because it talks, you know, they're boys and they like to talk about bodily functions and stuff. And um, and there's one particular story in Judges where I've told them the story kind of and added some humor to it, and we read it. What? I did. I add. I, I broke a rule. Um, I embellish what's in there. How about that? Um, and then, um, but this, the storybook doesn't do those things. You know, it's just straight story. And one of them goes, we like the way you tell that better. Can you tell it your story instead? And uh, again, it's all about the bodily functions for that particular story. But, um, you know, it's a great storybook where um, you get the stories of the Scripture. It takes you through most of them, Old all the way to New Testament. And it tells it in a very kid-friendly way. Uh, we find that it it's good even for 13-year-olds all the way down to the 5. And even we started using it when Elliot was 4. 
Um, and, and some of it may be over their head, but for the most part, you, they're going to get it. So, um, and again, Amazon has it, but our bookstore has it in stock right now if you're, if you're looking for something to use. So Bible as your text. Let the Bible do, let the Word of God do the work. And then the last thing, the, the fourth thing that we'll share is just uh, engaging your kids during this worship time. And there's a specific way that I'm going to show you. And some of you are familiar with this. You mentioned Matt. Uh, Matt does this with his family. And so if you're familiar with what's called Discovery Bible Study or three-thirds format. Um, I, um, I, we got into three-thirds and Discovery Bible Study, I guess it's been about two years ago, um, and started kind of uh, experimenting around with our kids um, and and how it could work in our family worship. And so, um, and what we found was if they're not engaged, if we're just reading the story to them saying, okay, we're going to pray, they don't, they don't, oftentimes they won't get what we're talking about. They may get a little bit, but if we can actually engage them in the story and in the scriptures and ask them good questions, they will engage and they'll actually begin to remember what they're, what we've talked about. And so this three-thirds format, um, one of the things before three-thirds, and you're going to see how we work this into three-thirds, but singing a song, for instance, engaging them, letting them play a drum or a tambourine. We have a little cajon that they'll fight over, you know, because they want to play the cajon while I'm playing guitar. If you don't have musical abilities in your family, you know, flip on a Spotify or a YouTube, and they can even play along to that. Um, you know, and it may be out of tune, it may be bad, but at least they're starting to engage and they're, and they're beginning to see that worship is not just a, um, um, an observatory thing, it's a participatory thing. So um, we, we want them participating even if they're way off on a rhythm or whatever it might be. Um, so a Bible study format that works. Three-thirds format. Just going to give you, I'm going to walk you through this just briefly so that you have an idea and, and so that you can see kind of how we would go about doing this. And again, uh, sure, you can pass these out. Um, these, uh, this is a tool. It's not the only tool. It's not the end-all, be-all by any means, but uh, it's one that I have found that not only works in our family worship, it also works with, um, you know, in a Bible study with a bunch of guys, a Bible study with other families, uh, a Bible study as a small group, whatever it might be. So three-thirds, real simple. The guy that came up with three-thirds said, there's three parts to this. I'm going to call it three-thirds. That's pretty much all that went behind that, calling it three-thirds. So three parts. You look back, you look up, and you look forward. Um, looking back, that is um, it's caring for one another to start with. So you share what you're thankful for today or this week. This is where kids love to talk. You know, even the oldest ones, will, you can say, hey, what have you been thankful for this week? And they'll actually tell you something. You know, it may be something to do with a sport that they played, or it may be something that they, you know, I got a new baseball glove or whatever that give them a chance to say what they're thankful for. And you might find that they go even deeper than that once you establish the consistency that we've talked about. So what are you thankful for in that moment? Uh, and then uh, in part of that care is, do you have concerns? Um, uh, and, and you see that on the sheet here. Do you have concerns that we can be praying for? The check-in, which is the look back, is 
ask if we did what we said we would do from the last time we were together. So you wouldn't do this on the first time if you're doing this for the first time because there's nothing to look back on. But um, uh, I'll, I'll give you, for instance, we at the end of this on the look forward, you'll have a chance to say, what is it? What can we do with what we've just read in Scripture? Um, and I think it was Elliot that said one day, um, we can take brownies to our neighbors. It was either Elliot or Layton. And we thought, what a great idea. It went along with, the. I think the passage was about helping someone. And um, he said, we can take brownies to our neighbors. And when we decided, okay, which neighbor? Because we can't take them to all of our neighbors. Which ones do you want to take them to? And uh, we decided on our neighbor right behind us. Uh, her name's Miss Eileen. And Miss Eileen has a fence that runs right beside our basketball goal. And Miss Eileen's the basketball fetcher because it bounces over the fence on regular occasions. It's either a basketball, a baseball, a football. Something's over there, and they'll go knocking on Miss Eileen's door. Hey, a ball bounced in your yard. Do you mind going to get it? Uh, and so she, and she loves it. She's an, uh, an older lady, and so that's the highlight of my day is when you come ask me to get a ball out of your backyard. I'm like, well, I'm glad you think about it like that because <laughs> they'll keep doing it. Um, but so we said, well, let's take brownies to Miss Eileen. And so within that week before our next worship time, uh, we took brownies over to her and we had talked to Miss Eileen on many occasions, but we got there and we knocked on the door and all the, all the kids were with us. And we said, we just made you these brownies. Allison made a little note, said, Hey, we want to, we're praying for you. Uh, thanks for always fetching the, the balls that go over the fence. And she was like, this is the sweetest thing. You won't believe this, but my brother just moved in with us and he's got stage four cancer. And one of his favorite things is brownies. And that's what we had taken to her. And so it was uh, it was one of those crazy God moments that you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Well, how can we pray for you and how can we pray for him? And so it was a great moment. And our kids saw that. And so when we got back the next week, did we do what we said we were going to do? Yeah, we took brownies to Miss Eileen and we're praying for her and and her brother. And so it's it's a really neat thing how the holy spirit works in some of those things so that's where the check-in comes do we do what we said we were going to do because uh, we're going to set goals at the end and then you pray for one another based on what you talked about so far uh what you're thankful for and we go around the room uh and let them pray for the person on your right or person on your left depending on what what it is and you know again you're you're training them to pray you're training them to worship and so sometimes the prayer is as simple as i pray for davis that he has a good day today okay we'll go with that right now you know and and then as it as they develop that that it starts to get a little more in depth in that prayer time um how much time oh i gotta i gotta hurry um read a short psalm sing a song would be kind of part of the look back as you get to kind of get get going into worship that that would be letting them get involved um again the song can be you playing a guitar if you play it or spotify or youtube uh, the second thing, look up. Uh, we pick a passage of scripture to read aloud, and what not, right now what we're doing is just going straight through the Ergemeyer's Bible story book, and so we're in the Old Testament and Judges at the moment. And uh, when we finish, we'll just start all over again. Uh, but we read a passage, and as we read a passage, we read it out loud. Uh, we sometimes, not always, depending on kind of the mood. Uh, it's always helpful for them to retell the story. They enjoy that, actually. Hey, let's retell the story in your own words. What did you hear? What stuck out to you? What What did you? What, what was something that you grabbed from the story? And so we can help. And then you ask what they liked, and was anything confusing? Um, 
Sometimes you'll get good stuff. Sometimes, uh, again, you'll get a 13-year-old who goes, I zoned out. I don't even know what we talked about. So um, then you read it again. If you and, and all this can be tailored depending on your time. So these, uh, these are things that you can build upon. If you only read it one time and start to ask the questions to, to establish the routine, that's fine. As you get going, you may read it more often. If you only have 10 minutes, read it once and start asking them questions and see where they come. Um, then you read it after you read it again, you ask them uh, two questions that are real simple. What do we learn about people and what do we learn about God from this? Um, I, they're just great questions to, to really engage them with. You know, what, it, what did you learn about the people that were in the story and what did God do? What did you learn about God in this? And they, they'll, they, they really do engage with you about this, especially if you, again, are consistent and allow it to, to engage. And then the last one, I'm sorry we're flying through this, uh, is the look forward. Uh, look forward. Um, we take a minute. Hey, can we just think about, and this is where it came, let's take brownies to our neighbors. We just said, hey, let's pause for just a minute and just be quiet and ask what God might want us to do now that we've read this passage. And it could be as simple as God wants me to go and tell my friend the story that we just talked about. Okay, great. Tell your friend this story. Could be brownies. Could be who knows. Uh, and you set goals. Uh, what What did God tell you? What do you think we should do as a family? Uh, I might start with, if they, especially as, as you're getting used to this, what can we do as a family? Who is there somebody that we know as a family that we can go and, and love on this week? Uh, because, you know, the story talked about loving one another. Whatever it might, you can kind of instruct and, and guide them through that. They may have their own goals that they can set as well. Uh, again, uh, practice if applicable. So if one of your kids says, I want to go tell the story, you'll say, well, what would you tell them if you go and tell them? Let them practice the story with you. And um, that gives them an opportunity to, to kind of get comfortable with that. And then commission uh, or pray for them once again. And if you've already prayed for one another, it may be easier just one of the parents saying, hey, I'm going to pray over our family right now. Uh, again, you gauge your own uh, attention spans in the room. If they're done at that point say hey dad's going to pray mom's going to pray uh, or hey big brother will you pray whatever it might be and uh, and and go on so that that is what we have found to be the most consistent in uh, engaging our kids and really uh, kind of leading them in worship and so uh, hopefully that's helpful any questions i know we got about two minutes here if you're going to the 11 we gotta let you get going any thoughts questions if you do have comments, thoughts, questions, feel, you can contact me. You can email me, call me. Hey, we're trying this and this is not working. Feel free to call me. We can, we can bounce some ideas off and I can try to help you through. Again, we hadn't figured it all out. We, a lot of it's trial and error on our part and just kind of saying this works today and this works today and uh, you know this is not going to work today, so on and so forth, but trying to be consistent in all that. So, Okay? All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for this time. I'm grateful for uh, just to talk about what it looks like to lead our family, engage our family in worship, and uh, pray that uh, in all these families that are represented here today, that as they try uh, to sit down sometime this week and engage with their families in worship, Lord, that you would bless that time, and that, God, it would be a fruitful time. And, Lord, would you help us as parents to be as consistent as we can in leading our family, leading our kids in worship of you, keeping the goal and the vision in mind that in the end, one day when it's all said and done uh, and we enter into the heavenlies, that it'll all be perfect at that point. So uh, give us grace in the meantime. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. 
If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 